This episode is brought to you by Abbott. Hi, coming to you live from TCT 2019. I'm here with Vinay Bedwar, CT surgeon, and we are talking about procedural volume, both at an institution and an individual level, and outcomes in mitral valve repair. Always a controversial area. You know, we need access in a lot of areas around the country and the world. Correct. But we want to make sure that people have good outcomes based upon competency of the operators, but also the system of care. So. Tell us what you found in the STS database. Yeah, so this is a study to specifically to address this issue. You know, we have guideline recommendations for mitral valve repair, you know, and really where do they go? Mm -hmm. How do we do? Mm -hmm. So this analysis of 55,000 patients performed at over 1,000 hospitals in the United States showed that the repair rate for now primary MR, so this is focused on primary R, mm -hmm. across the United States is actually quite good now. It's 81%. It's good. And then when we, d we look at volume quartiles, the lowest quartile versus the highest quartile, the, there was of course a difference in terms of successful repair rates, and that was nearly 90% in the highest volume quartile and approximately 68% in the lowest volume quartile. Wow, that's a big, great big difference. As well, however, mm -hmm. in the highest volume quartile, nearly 40% now are done minimally invasive or robotic. Wow. Now when you look at quality, in other words, the primary outcome, in terms of volume outcome, primary outcome was 30-day operative mortality. The secondary outcomes were 30-day composite mortality and morbidity, as well as linking the SGS database to CMS mm -hmm. to look at longitudinal one-year follow-up. Mm -hmm. And that's one-year reoperation, one-year mortality, one-year uh, hospital readmission for heart failure. And what did you find with all those metrics? So with those metrics, um, that the overall outcome was highly significant, lowest volume versus highest volume of quartiles for 30-day mortality, 30-day composite mortality and major morbidity, and one-year mortality, but not for reoperation or readmission for heart failure. I guess I'm a little surprised by the re-op and readmission data, given that the repair was suboptimal. You would think that there would be a re-op or readmission signal. Well, we have no evidence that it was suboptimal if it's successful. Okay. Right? Um, and we actually did an interaction term statistically, and there was no interaction between the actual choice of repair or replacement. Okay. So it wasn't that that indicate the outcome. It was it probably volume-related. Volume-related. And um, is this, again, is this the operator volume or is it the institutional volume? Are we talking about individual surgeons? Are we talking about the surgical team and the care following the procedure? Well, that's an excellent question. This was actually both. Okay. And those findings of the volume outcome relationship were the same categories in both hospital level and surgeon level. I see. Now the volumes were different and the inflection points different. Hmm. So there is a clear relationship in all of those categories However, the inflection point, albeit estimated, because it's continuous variable, at the hospital level was 75 cases of any mitral operation. And for the surgeon level, or operator level, it was 35 cases. Okay. Now, what's relevant about that is this is now the first time in a large, contemporary, 
clinical national data mm -hmm. that can actually now more precisely define where those thresholds are. So that can inform not only current guidelines, but also future guidelines. Sure. And I want to make sure I understand, this is 35 combined repairs and replacements and 75 combined repairs and replacements? Any mitral operation. Any mitral operation, okay. And the point why this is somewhat different is that because mitral exposure, mitral operating is experience. Yes. And for the surgeons to help identify, to focus just on primary MR, while that's the, that's the outcome variable, mm -hmm. the volume of experience becomes more important and easier to assess at a global stage. Sure. Because there's concomitant operations, et cetera. And how do we get people up to speed? How do we get people up to that 35 number? So interestingly, we did another analysis that will be published next week in JAMA Cardiology that looked at the volume access. Mm -hmm. So in certain thresholds, say for example, 25 cases a year, 92% of the U.S. population lives within a hospital referral region defined by Dartmouth Atlas. Yes. Um, accessing that volume threshold. Right. At 40 cases, that drops down to about 82%. Yes. So it's still accessible, and what's interesting from this, that it's not restrictive. In fact, in the past, as you know, that estimation was much higher. In fact, the thresholds, the number of hospitals that actually meet that threshold are over 150, and the number of surgeons that meet that threshold are not 10 or 20 or 50, it's 300 and nearly 30 surgeons oh, okay, good. Um, fall into that category. So over the last decade, with the help of guidelines, and this is really, I think, my personal opinion, what helps these, the guidelines is really impacting, mm -hmm. is that surgeons have focused on trying to repair valves more mm -hmm. and more competently with better outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so our access is improving. Right. And so more than likely, one can find a surgeon that can provide this level of quality in your referral region. Let me ask you a final question. If you're a guy who's done surgery for 30 years and you have a 30 year lifetime experience doing 75 cases, can you back down to 30 cases and maintain your competency? Well, I mean, that's something that the data doesn't show. Okay. But as you know, um, if you're an expert interventionalist right. and you're doing 300 cases a year, and then as you now mentor others, right. you're doing 100 cases, right. you're still pretty darn competent. Exactly. That, that's what that, I was trying to get that, to. That yeah. same thing um, probably happens, although you didn't, measure, you didn't measure it in this database. And, and you know, but the, the small technical detail, um, the actual suturing, you know, being a zealot myself, the actual suturing is not difficult. Yes. If one surgeon can do a 7-0 coronary anastomosis, right. they can do the mitral valve repair. Yeah. The issue is judgment. Judgment. And it's knowing what the, to do and where to do it. Yeah, knowing what you can eat and what can eat you is always, I think. So, and, you know, these days anyone can put a stent anywhere in the coronary artery. Right. So I think it's more and more cognitive on Absolutely. probably both sides of the street. Yeah. And imaging has been very helpful in that yes. regard. And preoperative planning has been in that regard. Yeah. But that gets to the whole hospital level. Yes. Is that high volume hospitals have high volume, good quality imaging, anesthesia, supportive care. Right. And, and that becomes very relevant because uh, there will be a um, multi-society ACCHA document coming out in the coming days or weeks um, for the 2020 uh, operator uh, characteristics and institutional characteristics for transcatheter mitral therapy. Interesting, yes. And that's part of the NCD that's sure. coming. And in that document, we did define 
sort of center-specific and operator-specific criteria, criteria, and this may further inform that document. That's great. Congratulations. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining us here live from TCT 2019. Thanks very much. Great. Great, great stuff.